My name's Nate. Again, if you haven't met me, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. And today, we're kicking off our brand new series called The Dailies. The Dailies. It's for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the mercy of God on the daily. I don't know if you remember it or not, but way back in the olden days, they used to have these things called newspapers. It was on real paper. Anybody remember those days? And every day in the newspaper, they would have fresh news and they would have fresh daily comics. In the really, really olden days, they would have the strips, comic strips called the dailies, and they'd be about Superman and really cool superheroes. They called them the dailies. But um, our newspaper, they had comic strips. Anybody ever read the comics? Fan of the comics in the morning? I used to wake up early, and I delivered these papers that were full of news and daily jokes and all this stuff. I deliver it to people's houses in the dark at like 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. I was a paper delivery boy. Yes. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. I was right at your front step with the dailies divine. Right? No, I'm just joking. I don't know. I had to rhyme something. But there I was. From the age of 12 to like 18-ish, 19-ish, maybe even 20-ish. I think my dad kept it going after I was like past my prime. And uh, every day we would or he would or I would deliver the daily newspapers. And almost every morning after deliveries, I would make myself a bowl of breakfast. It's called cereal. I can still make cereal if you ever want to come over. I can make you the best bowl of cereal I've ever had. I got soy milk. I got uh, fat-free milk. I got regular skim milk. I got watered milk. I got real milk, 2% milk. I got all the milk and I got all the cereal you could ever want. I'm really good at cereal, okay? I'll go toe-to-toe. Mike's cereal snack shack, okay? I was just thinking about different jokes. Okay, from the, I really did. I, I sat down almost every day after delivering. It took me an hour, sometimes hour 15, depending on the weather, to deliver the papers. And then I would go and I'd sit down at my kitchen um, table with my family or without my family. And I'd read the daily comics. Anybody ever do this? The daily comics. I didn't care about the news. I didn't care about Y2K. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care about Afghanistan, which started a long time ago. I, I just wanted to see Peanuts. Anybody ever seen Peanuts? I wanted to see Beetle Bailey. I wanted to see Blondie. Show me the Marmaduke, right? More Marmaduke. The Family Circus. How many guys remember these comic strips? Okay. And I, I remember, even as a young man, being so impressed that I was always just blown away that this, this writer slash artist, they, they drew the pictures and they wrote the content every single day. Every day, an artist and a writer would do something new and it would come to my morning table and make me chuckle or laugh. We would, how, how many guys would like that pressure to make people laugh with the same comic strip every single day? Isn't that kind of crazy amount of pressure? I, I mean, some people enjoy it, some people love it, but they drew it and they wrote it. Isn't that crazy? You just think about that. That's like a lot of investment in every single day. And it wasn't just on Monday through Saturday. Sunday was the really big one. I mean, Sunday, everybody read the colored comics, not just the black and white comics. You remember that? And the colored comics had to be really good. Because if anybody's going to read the comics all week, it's going to be Sunday morning comic strips. Remember? Just every day they had to come up with something fresh, something new, something exciting to keep their audience engaged and loving the Peanuts and loving the Family Circus and loving the Marmaduke. Fresh and new every morning. Now, what I love about God is he does this on the daily. He does this daily thing with mercy brand new every single morning. I'm talking about fresh, real, powerful, relevant content that will meet you right where you're at at your dining room table. Right where you're at in the morning, right where you're at, and he will give you joy. He will give you life. He will give you wisdom. He will give you solution. I mean, I'm talking about a relevant God who is in touch. I mean, so in touch with your reality, and not just with your problems, not just with what you need him for. He's in touch with the way you feel about your problems. He's in touch with the way you feel about the thing that happened to you. Hebrews 4 in the King James Version says, We have a high priest in Jesus who is in touch with the, not the infirmity, the feeling of our infirmity. He cares not just about what's going on in your life. He cares about the way you feel about what's going on in your life. Don't you dare tell me for a second that God is out of touch, that God is archaic, that God is not alive, that God can't help you in an active, engaging, everyday, relevant way. I serve a God who is in touch with the way you feel about what's happening in your life. 
And that's powerful because feelings are fickle. Feelings don't last long. That's a powerful touch. He's in touch with the feelings of our infirmities. He is relevant. He is so close, and he knows of what you feel about what you go through. Isn't that amazing? And here's the thing. He doesn't just feel it for you or feel it with you. He doesn't just have empathy. He knows how to keep it fresh. He knows how to keep relationship fresh. He knows how to keep mercy fresh. He knows how to keep wisdom fresh. He knows how to keep relationship with people fresh. Some people are like, man, it's so hard to follow Jesus. I'm like, man, Jesus keeps it fresh on the daily. If there's something wrong with your relationship with God, believe me, it's not his problem. He is good at keeping it fresh. Well, our marriage has grown cold and gone stale. Probably your spouse's problem. I get it, okay? Probably something wrong with your spouse. But your relationship with Jesus has grown cold and gone stale. That ain't nobody's problem but yours, baby. Because God is good at keeping it fresh. Turn your neighbor and say, he's good at keeping it fresh. I mean, you think Pastor Nate keeps it fresh? He the God I'm in relationship with. He keeps it fresh. Everybody say fresh. Fresh off the press every single morning. It's powerful and relevant and real and applicable, and it affects my everyday life. Lamentations 3.22 is going to be our launching pad throughout this series. I love this verse. It is such a relevant, real verse. And I want to tell you if, everybody say if, if you receive it, if you believe it and apply it, it will change your daily reality in such a powerful way. If you receive it, if you believe it, if you apply it, it will change your life. James warns us, he says, don't be hearers of the word and not doers. Don't be hearers of the word only and not doers. Deceiving yourself, thinking, oh, I've heard this message. Oh, I've heard this talk. Oh, I've heard this. And never doing it, deceiving yourself. Come on, we want to be hearers and doers. Hearers, believers, and appliers. I'm receiving it to believe it. I'm believing it, therefore receiving it. Are you with me this morning? Anybody receive something from the word of God today? Fresh. Come on. As your faith is, Jesus said oftentimes, so you shall receive it. So be it unto your receptor. Come on, a quarterback is only good, as good as his wide receiver. Football's starting today. You guys are here on Football Sunday. Go ahead, give yourself another. Whoop, whoop. You made a good decision. I promise you won't regret this. So here we go. He knows how to keep it fresh. Lamentations 3.22. You know it. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Let's read it together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Sorry I made that so difficult for all of you. Let's read it again. The steadfast love of the Lord never stops. He's consistent. If you were here the past five weeks, he is charactered. He doesn't change. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, he keeps it so fresh. His mercies. You reading it with me? His mercies. Let's say it together. His mercies. Plural. Many much mercies. He's got manifold mercy for manifold messes. God's got manifold mercy for all the manifold messes that your life could have. Manifold mercies. They are never ever, ever going to stop. They never come to an end. Woo! That'll preach. They are new on the daily. They are new every morning. Oh, every day he has fresh mercy. Great. Everybody say great is his faithfulness. How many guys like Lamentations 322? Oh, I thought we were in Hope Church where we love the Bible. We love the Bible. I mean, we love the Bible. Come on, I love this verse. Today as we get started, we're going to look at a person named Peter. And I want to emphasize person named Peter. Not the Pope named Peter. You know, not the, the wonderful professor named Peter. Not the great apostle, apostle Peter. I'm talking about the person named Peter in John chapter 18. It says this in verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of those disciples too, are you? Don't, you aren't one of those people that with Jesus too. He denied it saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of a man whose ear Peter had just cut off earlier in the day, challenged him. Didn't I see you with Jesus in the garden? I know you are one of those Jesus guys. Again, Peter denied it. He who denied it supplied it. <laughs> 
You guys all knew it, but you were afraid to say it in church. He denied it. <laughs> there he is. And again, Peter denied it. I don't know if I can follow this man. He's too immature for me. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just messing with you. Uh, again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, what do, when, do, when do roosters crow? Every morning. Like clockwork. Have you ever had a rooster? The rooster began to crow. Whoa. This Whoa, whoa, crow, whoa. This is one of Peter's worst moments in his whole life. I mean, this is something that Peter would not want to know that we are talking about again on a Sunday morning from the Bible. I mean, if I'm Peter, you mean everybody, God, for the rest of time is going to read about one of my worst moments in all of my life, and they're going to associate me with words like denial and betrayal and weakness and lies Oh, God, say it ain't so. I know who I am. My name's Peter. I am fiercely loyal. I'll cut your head off if you come after somebody that I love. Can you hear Peter saying it? He's like, weakness? I hate weakness. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Jesus, you know that I know. I hate weakness. I love the truth. I love the truth. I love Jesus. I don't ever want to deny Jesus. He's my best friend. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my Savior. Don't associate me with Judas. Judas is a jerk. Peter and Judas did the same thing. You guys got to listen to me. I'm sweet. I'm kind. I'm loving. I'm fiercely loyal. I'm getting after the good stuff. I'm Peter the rock. You hear what Peter's saying? But for a snapshot, everybody say a snapshot. On this day, and written in this daily bread that we are called to open up on the daily, Peter has messed up royally. And all the time we keep going back over it. He missed the mark, and there it is in black and white in your daily bread. Boom. It's bad. And everybody knows what he just did. Everybody knows he's a liar, a denier and a supplier of Jesus' crucifixion. Now, I don't know. We, we just did an entire series on character building, if you were with us the past five weeks, but everybody in here has something in their life somewhere that you would not want to read about in the daily headlines of the newspaper. You would not want in the comic strip in front of your kids. Again, there is not a person listening right now. I just want to make sure you're at Hope Church where we like to keep it real. There is not a person listening right now or on the live stream who does not have something in your life somewhere that would make you uncomfortable if it were read out loud in front of everybody. And yet somehow, when we get somebody else's dirt, people attack each other and laugh at each other. And they sell the story of someone else's misery. And yet the people who are speaking about them and laughing at them are guilty as charged themselves. Jesus talks about getting the beam out of your eye while you're looking at specks in other people's stories. But what I love about God's word is that God exposes the fact that the men and women that he chooses to use in some of the mightiest of ways were simply that, men and women, pure people. They were not angelic. They were not ultra-spiritual. They are not untouchable people that we should look to for prayers to be answered. St. Peter of Augustus and St. John and St. Luke, we don't pray to these people. They're just people. They were simply People, people that needed God's grace, which is his empowerment, and they needed God's mercy, which is his second chance. A lot of people think grace and mercy are the same thing. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is a second chance that you shouldn't get. Grace is the empowerment to live in the second chance after you get it and do the impossible that you know is not possible for you to do by yourself. And this isn't a series on grace. This is a series on mercy. I'm talking about mercy. I mean, this is a very shameful moment in the life of a great man named Peter. And I want to say that one more time. This is a very shameful moment in the life of a great man named Apostle Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Now, great and shame don't seem like they go together, but, but they do. Great and shame. 
little wormy shame. Don't go to, but they do because you can be great about one thing over here and still have shame about another thing over here. You can be crushing it at work, baby, and your marriage is a mess. You can be great with your kids and yet you treat strangers like trash. This is Peter. Great and shame-filled. This is the guy that Jesus said was the rock. And upon this rock, this principle, I will build my church that's coming out of your mouth, Peter. Woo! And he, he has let his name down, and he has let himself down, and he has disappointed all the other disciples as friends, and he has denied Jesus himself. He's denied that he even knows the man. There's a lot of shame and depression that follows this decision. And yet Peter still has done great things in his past. I mean, everybody else stayed in the boat, but Peter had great faith, and he walked on water. That's greatness. And he still has great things out in front of him. He's going to see 3,000 people respond to his first public speech ever about Jesus and Jesus crucified with the power of the Holy Spirit. He has great things ahead of him. He has been great, and he's done great, and he's going to do great, and his greatness is still in his future. But right now, he's stuck in his shame. But right now, in 2021, fall, he's stuck in his shame. And his headliner is betrayer. Denier and liar, stuck in his shame. I believe this text comes to ensure us that we do not deify humanity like some have. You need to understand that these men and these women that God used, the apostles that would become the foundation for the church, it would be through them that the world would be evangelized. We are still a result of what they started on the day of Pentecost. Once filled with the Holy Spirit, we would, they would be the ones who literally cast out demons. Their shadow would fall on people on the street and they would be healed from their diseases and their infirmities. They would do all kinds of stuff that would make them look like gods, untouchable, super spiritual, ultra angelic, but they were still very much humanity. The Bible is careful to give us these moments of humanity that some denominations choose not to talk about to balance the magnificence of the anointing working through their lives and just them being people. So that you can make a distinction between the treasure and the vessel. I love 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's pretty normal next to something really powerful. He's talking about Jesus living in you. The Holy Spirit living in you. That's the treasure. The ability for God to do something through a person. An earthen vessel. That the excellence, why is it there? Why is the treasure in the people? Why is the treasure trusted to such earthen, normal, everyday people? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Not of people. So just because the vessel is human doesn't mean the treasure isn't good. I'll say that again. Because some people deify and some people excuse themselves because the vessel isn't as good as the treasure. This is why when people walk away from Jesus or what he loves, his bride and the church and the building of his church and his people, they say, well, it's because of that person. It's because of this leader that I don't believe in God anymore. It's because of that group of people. It's because of that person that I don't believe in going to church. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in hope groups. I don't believe in such and such. I don't do that anymore because of the people. The earthen vessels are blocking me from serving, from engaging in hope groups, from uh, going to church at all, from listening to anybody but a TV preacher who doesn't really know me. I'm talking about not being pastor. We're talking about realities with people saying, keep it at arm's length. I've been burned by an earthen vessel. And Paul, they're saying, I'd like to propose to you that they have always been missing the point. And their faith was tied to an earthen vessel, not the true treasure, who is Christ in you, which is the hope of all glory. Who is the spirit of Christ in you, not you yourself. Are you attaching your faith to an earthen vessel instead of the Christ in the earthen vessel that's preaching and communicating and connecting and helping and serving and in community with you? Because we don't build our lives on people. We build our lives on the solid truth in the word of God who is Jesus and Jesus crucified. We say, all I know is Jesus. People do stuff, but I know Jesus. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not just of people. Not of us. 
I want to encourage you today. Never let anything earthly, any earthly vessel disrupt or deter you from being in relationship with the true treasure and his church. If this was contingent, if this was hanging on people, I would never, ever come to church. And I'm with you. All of you who are done with church, I am with you. But this isn't built or contingent on earthen vessels. It's contingent and built on the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ and personal relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you today. Never let an earthly vessel be your excuse or be the thing that separates so wonderfully like St. Peter of don't let it elevate you out of relationship and, do, and just excuse you or say, it's the people, that's why I don't. You hear what I'm saying? Do not let an earthly vessel disrupt or deter you from being in relationship with the true treasure, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and his bride, which is more people. It's the church. Just because the vessel is human doesn't mean the treasure that's living inside of them isn't any good. One more time, i got to make sure Dia hear what I'm saying to you. Is anybody with me? Because Peter and the apostles, while their ministries were amazing, these small glimpses into their lives would show us the reality of them being very much in need of God's mercy, God's second chance, God's undeserved help. Mercy is a second chance. Mercy is getting or stepping into something that you don't deserve. That is definition of mercy. It's actually when you deserve one thing because of what you did, but you don't get it because of mercy. The wage of this is this, but I don't get the wage of that even though I did that thing because of God's mercy. I should be back here, but I'm over here not because I did anything right, just because I believed and I received the mercy and the blood of Jesus. And humanity needs the mercy of God. All of us, like Sheep and sin have gone astray. All of us have fallen short of the glorious standard of God on the daily. All of us need the mercy of God brand new on the daily. The good news is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases for you. His mercies never stop coming. They never come to an end. They are new every morning because he is so faithful. Go ahead and give him a praise like you believe it. Go ahead and give him a praise like you need it. Go ahead and say, yes, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Where would I be without you, Jesus? I'm so undeserving, but you chose to give me a second chance I didn't deserve. Woo, mercy new today. And the amazing part is, Jesus picked Peter. Now, if somebody else would have picked him, I may have said, you know, you made a bad choice. Bad intuition, bad hire, bad pick, bad instincts. But Jesus himself picked Peter. And one thing I know, if it was, comes down to me or Jesus being right, I am always wrong, and Jesus is always right. And if I say, Peter's the wrong choice, Jesus. Pick better, Jesus. Do a better job at being God, Jesus. I know that I know that I know I am wrong, and he is right. Here's the thing. Jesus chose him. He handpicked him. He called him. He selected him. He elected him and said, I choose you to be a fisher of men with me. Come, follow me. Peter. Of all people, Peter, flaws and all. Follow me, and I will make you something that you're not. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. You've been a fisher of fish your whole life, but I'm going to turn you into something that you are not. It's the same skill. It's the same kind of thing, but it's really who you are and who you've always been created to be. It's just in the wrong pond. We're going to go fishing for people. And Jesus took full responsibility for Peter's success as his leader. Follow me, and I will turn you into something that you're not. I take responsibility for your success in life. And yet, the moment of truth, at daybreak, at dawn's decision, at rooster crowing time, we find Peter warming himself by the fire of the people he used to fight, literally. He, he, he is like switch teams in the moment that Jesus has needed him on the field the most. He's gone to the other side's bench. The truth is, for being so brave, for being so bullheaded, for being so bullish, he was just actually a scared little boy needing some comfort in a time of trauma. 
In one moment, he's ready to die. The next moment, he's ready to deny. But you can't judge him on one day's activities. He will ultimately experience martyrdom and give his very own life for Jesus. He's going to die on a cross upside down. But at this particular moment, he's lying, he's cursing, he's swearing, he's running away from Jesus, and he is filled with shame. And it is really hard to tell in this moment who Peter really is because of all the shame that is attached to this moment of identity. Shame is a pain that you cannot take a pill for. You can't go to a doctor and get a prescription for your shame. Shame is personal. Shame runs deep. Shame stays beneath the surface and gets in your subconscious. And the truth is, nobody knows that behind it all, the reason you didn't do more, the reason you didn't want to go further, the reason you didn't want to climb higher, is not because you're not able, it's not because you don't believe in yourself, it's because of the shame beneath the surface that's stunting and stifling your destiny. The reason you didn't believe in yourself and you aren't free to be who you really know you are is because of shame. We live in a culture today where people are just afraid to run for public office. Who wants to step up and step out just to be shamed by everybody for having an opinion? People even say it to you. Shame on you. You believe that? Shame on you. You take a stance for that? Shame on you. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's a culture where you can be canceled within a day. There is no mercy, much less mercy new every morning. It's a cancel culture where you could get cut off and cut out and never have a voice and never be allowed for the rest of your miserable, unmerciful experience called life. There's no mercy, much less mercy every morning. And that's the culture that you're fighting when you deal with your shame. Because you know you're more familiar with this culture than you are with kingdom culture. Which says, mercy brand new every morning. I don't give a hoot what you did yesterday. Nothing is too far gone. Nothing is impossible for me. I still love you. I like you. I believe in you. I'm for you. I want to help you. Today, I'm all the way for you. Right here. Right now. No fear. No insecurity. No brokenness. No emptiness. No baggage. No bondage. You can be shame free. And that is so countercultural to what you hear in the candy shop, in the coffee shop, and in the hair salon. Because we are inundated with a cancel culture. You make a mistake and people find out you are done. You are done, done. No mercy. Not even for six months these people fall off the planet. You did what with who? We hear about you for a hot second and then we never hear from you ever again. And if you do show up again, it's with lots of shame. Mercy new every day. What planet, what daily planet, Superman, are you living on? Are you catching what I'm saying? You may be smart. You may be gifted. You may be chosen. You could be a king in your realm. But it is becoming less and less popular to be powerful because people are looking for heroes that are not human. I need a hero. He can't be human. Right? They want you to be what they can't be. They want you to be, let's just say it, Jesus himself. Well, who are we kidding? Come on, man. Who are we kidding? Even if they met Jesus, they would reject him too. They'd figure out something to cruci- I mean, cancel him for. They'd crucify him over something. God in flesh stood before hundreds and thousands of people, and they still found something wrong with Jesus. Who are you fooling? Letting your shame dictate your destiny. Popular opinion. Mess with your purpose. The reason I love taking my shame to Jesus is because only Jesus has the ability to, in truth and in mercy, weigh the assets against the liabilities and not judge you through one slice, one snapshot, one stage of your life. He says, I see bigger than that. I am bigger than that. I know the end from the beginning. I see you. You went off, but I have mercy fresh, mercy fresh, mercy fresh, mercy fresh. And that is what separates him from the sea of people who only see what you did wrong. That is what separates him from the sea of people who have an opinion about your baggage. Well, I don't know. You have a problem with this person? What separates Jesus? He didn't have problems with people. He loves people. He's not trying to protect people from people. He is for people. 
He believes in people's potential. He doesn't have to be like, yeah, but remember what happened back in 2010 when they were on that vacation and that other thing happened. It's like, no, I believe in the wholeness of their marriage. Mercy has set them free. As far as the east is from the west, so your sin is removed from you. There is therefore zero, zero baggage attached to your life. And it's not judgment by the masses. Honestly, if we're honest, it's not the opinions of other people that control us. Sometimes in a major way, yes. But not only a judgment from the crowd. Come on, it is a judgment of yourself. Shame equals a negative self-judgment. Shame equals a negative self-judgment. A viewing of yourself as worth less than before what you did. And that's what Peter did. He just evaluated himself after the shame set in. He was like, I'm worth less. I'm going back fishing for fish. I'm done trying to be what God called me to be. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to settle down. I might be gifted. I might be anointed. I might be appointed. I might be great. I might be the king in this realm, like a big impact maker. But I'm going back to fishing for fish because shame stops you from going after your dreams. Shame stops you from living your life to the fullest. Shame stops you from being who you really know you are. Shame stops you and makes you punish yourself. It's not just, I messed up, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. No, shame goes beyond repentance. It says, because of what I did, I am worth less. I didn't just do wrong, I am wrong. And I've heard some people say this. If I don't really feel it, I deserve to feel it for what I've done. And if I don't really feel it, I'm not really sorry. Oh, oh, do you know? I've been in churches where people are like, you're not sorry unless you're up front. Everybody sees what you did, and you're crying with tears in your, in your hands, and you are just sobbing, and everybody knows, you better be sorry. And unless that's, they don't do that, they don't call it repentance. I'm not making this up. This is real. People are like, everybody needs to know, and then you can be forgiven. That's called shame. That's called guilt. That's called condemnation. It's not just, I did wrong, I am wrong. And I deserve to feel it for what I've done. And if I don't feel it, I'm not really sorry. That's the opposite of mercy, sir. That is the opposite of mercy. That is the opposite of getting what you don't deserve. That's you got what you deserve, everybody knows, and now you can be free. No, 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 that's not God's mercy, that's human mercy. That's you say you're sorry and really mean it, and then we'll start again. God's mercy is dumber than that. It's actually, I know what you did, I saw what you did, I actually pre-saw what you did, and I still believe in you. And here's fresh mercy, brand new, this morning, because of what I see in you. You can do this. You are well able. Come on, you're set free. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all that unrighteousness and be free indeed that is the opposite of forgiveness one of Jesus's biggest teachings which forgiveness means freedom freedom and that is what the Bible says there is therefore now no shame zero condemnation for all of you who are in Christ Jesus if you are I like to say if you are continually and perpetually carrying around shame and guilt and condemnation I'd like to disassociate you with the Jesus that you think you know and introduce you today to Jesus that I know it's the Jesus of Romans 8 chapter 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus And I don't know what spirit you think you're talking to that's making you feel guilty, but it's not the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God has got you in in an armhole saying, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? You should feel it. You should feel it. You should feel it. Shame and guilt and clouds and anxiety and all of this pressure and depression going fishing. It's not from God. It's not from God. There is, therefore, right now, on the daily, no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, the old things have died. The new man has come alive in Christ Jesus. You are not what you did. You are who he says you are. And you can do what he says you can do. Come on, you got a real reality, fresh, new creation in Christ Jesus. You are now, it goes as far as to say, just like Jesus. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As he is, 
So are you in this world. In this world? Yeah. I thought it was when I got to heaven. No, no, no. As Jesus is, so is your position and your cleanliness and your reality in this world, on the earth. No condemnation. So who do you know again that always makes you feel guilty? I'll tell you, two people know what you did. The accuser of the brethren and you. And the enemy of your soul, he will remind you. He'll say, remember when? Remember what you did? You are what you did. You are what you did. You remember this? Remember that? And that's called accusing of the brethren. And Jesus has a solution for that. He says, I stand at the right, I sit at the right hand of God, and I live to make intercession and to shut down that garbage. There is therefore now no shame that sticks. No shame that sticks. Shame just slips right off of you, baby. You are in the blood of Jesus, and if you receive that shame, you are going against his great name and who he is and what he stands for and what he's finished. Well, I got to hang on to some shame or else I'll do it again. Whoo. Hi. My name is Nate and I'm an addict. That is, that is not who you are. That is an association. I am an addict. I was an addict. I did addiction patterns, but I am not an addict. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hi, my name is Nate. I'm an alcoholic. Stop saying that. You're saying Jesus and his finished work on the cross has no relevance or reality in your life. Once it's done, it's done. It's finished. What do you think it's finished means? I have overcome all your sin, all your shame, every piece of bondage, every piece of baggage that you could ever associate with your past. It's done. It's dead. It's forgiven. It's under the blood, and you can't find it anywhere. I don't see it. The only two people who see it are your accuser and you. You. The only person who brings this stuff back up is you. Or the enemy of your soul. Don't tell, you, don't tell me the Holy Spirit made you feel guilty. He doesn't. Don't tell me that God made you feel really heavy and depressed and carry something. Come on, come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. My yoke isn't hard or heavy. I'll give you peace and ease from the shame, from the pain, from the brokenness. You don't have to stay here forever. That's who God is. He says, I can Deliver you, forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, make you new. Either he can or he can't. What Jesus are you serving? I know it's simple, but sometimes the most powerful realities are the simplest of them. And here's the thing. You never believed in Jesus, so you never received mercy. That's why you're carrying on shame and guilt and condemnation. Because you cannot believe and not receive. Why do I receive it or reject it? Some people are rejecting mercy, fresh chances. And how do I know they've been rejecting it? Because they live in anxiety and shame and guilt and remorse. And there's something underneath that they can't get rid of. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. Who doesn't just pat you on the back and let you sit in your shame? He says you're free. What are you doing here? It works. Why are you telling everybody it doesn't? Come on now. You don't receive because you don't believe. Most of life's realities in Christ are through faith, by grace. It's a gift of reception, gifts you have to receive, not of works, lest any man should boast. These are Bible verses. It is by grace, through faith. It's undeserved, unmerited, favor of God, through believing that you therefore receive. Not of works, not of feeling it, not of working it out yourself, not of really getting through it and carrying it around and showing everybody how well you're getting over it. No, no. No. It's like by faith, through grace, not of works, lest anybody should boast about getting free from their own shame. You can't do it, baby. That's why I turned to Jesus. The truth of the matter is, sometimes self-punishment is the worst sentence that any judge could put on you. It's even worse than what they think. And some people live by the opinions of other people. I'm talking about self-punishment, self-judgment. It's the way you see yourself that makes your shame so powerful. If anybody comes and tries to love you, you won't let them love you. And Justin's like, let me love you. Let me. And you're like, no, because you don't love yourself. If anybody tries to receive you and you push them away, you're like, no, why would you love me? Why would you want somebody around you who's worth less than what they were before? The shame. And so you self-sabotage with shame. Promotions on jobs, 
friendships, relationships, even in family life. Because even though they don't even know what it is that you're carrying, you believe that you are worth less because of what happened to you, because of what you did to someone else. They think you're an amazing woman. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm a slut. You don't know what happened to me. You carry the shame of what somebody else did to you and how they abused you. You're like, I am the worst. I feel dirty. I feel gross. I, I, have, a, I have a savior with a solution for that. You don't have to be a victim of what he did to you, she did to you. You can be set free from that crazy aunt that hurt you and molested you. I'm telling you the truth. You, you, you just have this self-sabotage. They say, you're a good man. You're a powerful man. And you say, no, I'm not. I'm a piece of trash. I am worthless. You have no idea my personal pain. Shame. Shame sits beneath the surface and it eats away at you. It's not what we're eating us. It's not what we're eating that is making us pain, uh, feel the weight and gain weight. It's not what we're eating that's making us, when we stress eat and when we you know, gain weight, it's what is eating at us that gives us anxiety. Shame is eating at our peace. Shame is eating at our rest. Shame is eating at our joy. It's eating at our marriages. It's eating at our careers. It's eating away at our commitments and our self-esteem and our self-worth. And somebody has got to preach about shedding the shame once and for all. We got to get rid of what's stopping us from being who God says we are. Because shame is killing our potential. You don't be who you really are because shame is in the background, underneath the surface, sitting on your subconscious. Shame is shutting down your giftedness. Shame is silencing our voices. Shame is making the church so sheepish in 2021. Because if I throw something at you, you can throw something back and it'll stick to me. Because of shame. Who steps up? Who steps out? Who risks something? Nobody. Why? Sheepish shame. But the truth is, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. What's the truth? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The just shall live by faith. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Justified by Christ. Justified in Christ Jesus. Come on. The just shall live by believing this stuff. Do we believe it? And do we receive it? Or, or do we carry it and say, what you did isn't good enough for me. Jesus said, I have come to shut down shame and awaken you to your destiny. I want to see you walk in your purpose and your life to the fullest. And I want to see what you've been created to be at work in the earth. I didn't make you to sit in shame. I made you to be set free and to run into your destiny. Come on, you're not your shame. You're not what you did. You can be free, 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 free. I have life to the fullest for you, but you got to shed the shame. So Peter, the great apostle, apostle, also, also, of the New Testament is, is warming himself by the, by the fire of his enemies because it's cold outside. And he's close to the fire because he's trying to get comfortable on a cold morning while Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. I got a question for you. Are you trying to get comfortable with your shame? You're trying to get comfortable with what you don't belong in while Jesus is being crucified so you don't ever have to live in it? See, he's trying to get comfortable by the fire of what's going on with most, the way most people handle their shame, the way most people do life, the way most people think. And Jesus is like, I'm being crucified in the morning in just a few hours so you don't have to carry your shame. And you're trying to get comfortable with it, sitting with your enemies. I, I got a question for you. Are, you. are you trying to get comfortable with your shame while Jesus is being crucified for your shame? Come on now. It's happening within the same day of mercy. Brand new. And I asked him, weren't you with Jesus? And like, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not one of them. I, I, I'm not that guy. And he's like, no, I saw you in the garden. I remember you in your strength. Do you have anybody in your life that could come up to you in 2021 and say, I remember in 1999 when you were on fire for Jesus and he was all over you and he was using your gift and you were an amazing powerhouse person of God. I remember you and your strength, but you're not strong anymore. The guy in the garden is like, I remember you and your strength when you were protecting Jesus. And you're like, yeah, shame has really taken over. I don't do that anymore. It's been a few hours. I'm in a really sh sh shamey place in my life right now. And shiitake mushrooms are hitting the fan everywhere. 
I remember you in your strength, yeah, but you don't know me in my, my shame and my stuff. I, I remember when you were cutting off the ears of men that you are sitting around in circles with right now. And he gets angry and he says, no, I'm not, damn it, I'm not the man. He starts cursing. Little girl's like, I know it's you. And he's like, it's not me, damn it. And he's like, I didn't even know the blankety-blank man. And he cursed them out trying to convince them, I'm not with Jesus. Have you ever cursed something out trying to convince yourself? <laughs> he cursed them out trying to convince himself, I'm not with Jesus. I got nothing to do with that, nothing to do with those crazy people. And he's denying Jesus. And he's not just denying that he was his disciple. He said, I don't even know him. I don't even know his name. And it's shame, but it's true. It's, it's a shameful reality, but it's a true reality. Peter's name means the rock. But the rock is now standing in the circle with his enemies. Isn't it funny when your name gets bigger than your reality? When you got a great name, great woman of God, great, great, great this, great that, great professional. You got more initials in front of your name than you know what to do with. You are a great da 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 dee 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 and that great, and you're great at this, and you're great at that, and you have a great name, but you got a messy past. You got a great name, but you got a messy internal reality. Peter couldn't live up to his name. Like, I'm not the rock. Jesus called him the rock, but he was acting like a reed going this way and bending that way and going with this crowd and going with that crowd. He was not a rock. He was a reed. He was scared. He was insecure. He's afraid for his life. So he walked away because his name was better than his life. This is the whole series we just did on character. On your name and your life have to come into alignment, into agreement with who God says you are. And Peter is in a situation of fluctuation. And somebody right now in this room and watching online is in a situation of fluctuation. And even though we've been talking about character, you're not living up to your highest ideals. And you are not being very integral. But God wants you to know you might be scared. You might be scared inside. You might be shame-filled. You might be compromising to survive. But he is still coming today with a fresh chance of mercy ready for you he says my second chance is real my second chance is available and I am ready to meet you where you're at today you might feel smothered in shame and guilt and condemnation but I want you to know Jesus still loves you you might smell like the smoke of the enemy's fire but Jesus still wants you you might smell like what you did last night but Jesus still wants you no matter where you've gone or what you've done or how far, far it is for you, I'm telling you, Jesus is still a merciful God who's rich in mercy. Peter couldn't believe that, like most people in this room. So he said, I'm going fishing. Well, I would never do that. I would just believe it and receive it. Yeah, did you spend three years with Jesus on the planet in the flesh? Two? And you still think that you wouldn't reject him? Like all the 11 did? You're telling me you're better than Peter and you just believe and receive everything? Come on now. We are the disciples of Jesus on the earth today. Don't think you're better than Peter. Relate to him. So Peter couldn't believe that. So, 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 so we don't believe that so he didn't receive it. And he said, I'm going back to what I was before I was what I am. Because when you're full of shame, you just want to get away from the pressure of being who you know you are. I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, all I want to do is run away from what I'm doing right, right now. I said, God, you can say anything you want to me. You can do anything with my life, but I am not this. I am not Pastor Nate. You will run away when your name or your calling or your reality is bigger than who you are. I can't live in those shoes. I can't fill those shoes. Are you kidding me? My dad's Superman himself. That's what I used to think. I'm just me. I'm nasty. I am not Pastor Nate. I'm telling you what, Peter couldn't believe that. So he said, I'm going fishing. Because when you're full of shame, you just want to get away from who you really are. Who am I preaching to today? Who is running away from that which God has for you? God wants to do something in your life, and you keep running and acting like shame is normal, but it's not in this kingdom. God has purposed for you. And it doesn't involve any shame, any condemnation. But because of the nagging memories of your own inconsistencies, you find yourself in a stupid boat fishing for stupid fish again in a stupid week. It's like every day it gets worse. Fish and boats on the daily. And you know this is not who you are and it's not your destiny, but you keep doing fish and boats and stupidity because of shame that is holding you back from your destiny. I'm here today to remind you that when Jesus rose from the dead, your destiny was on his mind. And I am not kidding. 
When Jesus rose from the dead, one of the greatest things that Jesus ever did to put a nail in the coffin of death, he said, you are on my mind. All you who are shame-filled, disqualified, the worst of the worst, your thing is way too big, you're on my mind. Your success is on his mind. Your potential was on his mind. He is so interested in you being set free from your shame and stepping into the life of the fullest success that you don't even think you deserve. He has better than you know that you deserve. And he wants to give you what you think you don't deserve. He has mercy brand new this morning, and I'll prove it to you. Jesus rose from the dead with Peter on his mind. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Jesus rose from the dead with with the shame-filled guy on his mind. You who are stuck in shame. Jesus rose from the dead with you on his mind. He rose from the dead and he left a message for the Spice Girls to carry. They came in expecting a dead body and for him to be who he was and where he was. But he ain't that person anymore, baby. And neither are you. Do you ever have people come to meet you and they thought you were one way and you thought you were one person. But you haven't met that person for a few hours now. For a few days now. For a few months now. For a few years now. Oh, you're Nate Hackett. No, I'm not that person. That guy's dead and gone. I'm resurrection. I'm a new life creation. You don't know who I am. People come with expectations back here. You come with expectations. Oh, I'm not here. Why are you looking for the the living among the dead? I used to be dead in sin. I used to be dead in insecurity. I used to be dead in brokenness. I'm healed. I'm alive. I'm free. I'm set free. I'm shame free. So the Spice Girls are coming to look for Jesus, and he's not where they left him. (laughs) Well, that'll preach. Gotta keep focused. In Mark 16, he said, I'm waking up. I'm coming alive. Brand new person. Mark 16. Go tell the disciples and Peter, I'm risen. I'm alive. And I want to meet them in Galilee. I'll see you there. I'll go ahead of them. But I want you to catch it in verse 7. But go tell the disciples and Peter. I want you to see. Go tell the disciples in Luke. Go tell the disciples in John. Go tell the disciples in Thomas. Uh, Go tell the disciples is one thing. But out of all the 12 disciples, he calls Peter by name. He said, I'm calling Peter by name because Peter doesn't think he's still a disciple. And why would he think he's not still a disciple? Because of shame. (laughs) They all ran away, but Peter denied Jesus three times, just like Judas one time. He thinks he's messed up so bad that he's lost his place and lost his destiny. And he knows that somewhere this thing's going to come and bite him in the butt. If he tries to minister, he tries to do anything, they're going to be like, you're the guy who denied Jesus. How can I be me with that over my head? How can I do anything for fishing for men when all men are going to do is remind me of what a loser I was and who I am for real? That's not who you are, Peter. He thinks he's messed up so bad that he's lost his place and he's lost his destiny and he's lost his ability and he's lost his anointing. So you might think you've messed up so bad that you've ruined your destiny and you're always going to be worth less because of something that happened by the fire that night. But it is a lie. I don't care what happened by the fire. I don't care who touched you by the fire. I don't care what they did to you by the fire. The Lord is saying to you today, go tell the disciples in Julie. Go tell the disciples in Scott. Go tell the disciples and Julie, Julie and Mary. Come on, tell somebody. Go tell the disciples and Ben. Go tell them. You are on his mind. And Jesus is calling you by name out of your shame. And what he's done is good enough for you too, Peter. God is simply saying, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. I'm going to meet you in Hope Church. Why Hope Church? Because hope is a joyful anticipation of something better than what was before. I want to meet you in a place called hope, Peter. And without hope, you will never joyfully anticipate anything than what you were and what you did. But with hope, you can say what was before is not what will be. I believe that God can restore me. I believe that God can redeem me. I believe that his mercy can work in my life. I'm going to a place. I'll meet you in hope. In a place of hope, Galilee. And I can't tell you how excited Peter was to get to Galilee. Oh my gosh. He probably sprinted to Galilee. Or did he? (laughs) He went fishing. Because even though it was real, it didn't feel right. I don't care what feels right. Neither does Jesus. And if you don't come to him, he's going to come to you. And he went to where Peter was. 
And he stood on the shore and he said, are you hungry? God, Peter's like, oh my God, am I hungry? He's like, I got fish. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to talk to you about some questions. I got questions for you. Do, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, you know I love you. You know I love you, Jesus. Do you love me? Like, like I love you. No, I, you know I like you. Like, like a person likes a person. You know that. He's like, no. Do you love me? Like, I love you. Three times. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And three times Jesus brings it up and says, are you going to live in shame for the rest of your life, Peter? Or can you commit to me right now to love me like I love you? Peter's like, oh my God. Yes, I love you, and I'm going to get over this shame. He's like, no, just receive my mercy. Receive my second chance. It's not by power or by might, but it's by my spirit that you can be set free. You don't have to live in shame for the rest of your life. I'm here to shake you from the shame. Shed the shame off of you. And in spite of your shame, Peter, and in spite of your past, I still have a plan for your life. Your future is bright. And, oh, man, some corny is about to come out of my mouth. And your best days are still in front of you. Man, this church is so, so, uh, like, um, happy, clappy, just optimistic, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is Jesus. He meets you where you're at. He loves you too much to leave you there this morning. He says, are you going to receive my mercy? Are you going to operate shame-free? And can you imagine, just for your life for a second, can you imagine what your life would be like and the people and the relationships and the life realities that you would have with your family, with your coworkers, with yourself, if you could be shame-free? You could actually be who you really are and not be afraid of anybody or anything or all the victimization. You could be finally be who you are. Can you imagine for Peter what it must have been like to preach the first day, day on, the, on the message of Pentecost out of all the 12 disciples? Peter is chosen to preach on the day of Pentecost. Old warming himself by the fire Peter. Old had an affair Peter. Old cheated on my taxes Peter. Old cut people out of deals Peter. Old betraying Jesus, Peter. Old lying through his teeth, Peter. Going fishing again in disgrace and shame. That's the Peter. Peter the reed is raised up on that day to be the rock that he truly is to speak to 3,000 people and see all of them give their life to Jesus. And you would think, I would say, and I know I'm going way over time, but you would think, you would think this. Is everybody okay? You would think, you would think this, you would think this, well, he's going to not, not lay into him too hard. He's not going to be too bold, not too brass, because what if his past came back to bite him in the, in the, in the brass? Right? Because what if it really comes bite him in the keister? I want you to listen to a tenor of his preaching on this day, shame-free. Oh, house of Israel, all y'all Israelites, know assuredly that the same Jesus who you crucified I don't, I don't hear an ounce of shame in his voice, in his tone. You know the guy that you killed? You killed him. Y'all killed him. He has been made Lord in Christ of your life. Not just once. He brought it up twice. And then with many more words, he kept preaching the same thing the Bible says. And he's like, you just, I just want to remind you, y'all killed him. You killed my best friend. You killed my leader. You killed the one I love. You killed the guy I'm passionate about. You killed him. You all killed him. He preached the gospel to them. He preached the resurrection to them. He preached the power of God to them. He preached forgiveness and grace to them. He preached turnaround. Come on, you don't have to live here. But he also reminded them a couple times, you killed him. And he, he seems shame-free. He's going for it. And they all could say, yeah, but you denied him. And he who denied it, you, your hands aren't, aren't clean, Peter. You contributed to his crucifixion. You ran away when he needed you the most. I thought you would tie, cut the ties and pull out the nails and kick over the cross and go to war, at least die with some, some honor. That's what you were talking at the table. He's not have one ounce of shame. Y'all killed him. <laughs> 
And what he's preaching is, <laughs> you can turn around from disgrace to grace. You're all a bunch of disgraceful murderers, but you can turn around from disgrace to God's grace. You can go from failure to freedom in Jesus. I know from my personal experience, my personal testimony, you can go from old misery every day to fresh mercy every morning. You can get rid of your shame, and it begins when you understand his mercy is new, and he still wants you. His mercy is new, and he still wants you. His mercy is new, and he still wants you. Tell your neighbor, his mercy is new, and he still wants you. He still has a plan for your life. Better be careful with this preaching, Pastor. You're going to do four more weeks of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not excusing your shame. I'm not discrediting your pain. I'm not justifying what you did or your mistake or how they hurt you. I'm telling you that His grace is greater than your disgrace. His mercy is better than your misery. And here's the thing. You can't just eat the, the fun parts and throw out the part that you still carry your shame. And life is hard and it's, you got to let it go. Surrender, believe, and receive. Well, I liked about 85% of what he said was pretty right. No, no, mercy is getting what you don't deserve. And letting it go all the way, baby. You are on his mind. You are always on his mind. That sounded really good with Mark, didn't it? You are always on his mind. And great is his faithfulness. And his mercy will meet you right where you're at this morning. I want to tell you something. You are just right for Jesus. I don't care what jam you're in. I don't care what garbage you're carrying. I don't care where you're at and how far too far is. You are just right for Jesus. And he is with you today. He is for you today.